The Create Well podcast is recorded on the ancestral lands of the Tongva people. Here at Create Well, we are a labor of love, and we need your support to keep this podcast going. If you have the means, please support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash createwell, or go to our website, createwellpodcast.com, and click the donate button. Or if you can't support monetarily, please rate and review our podcast. Every bit helps. This week's episode is brought to you by Naya Wellness. Naya is a well-being company founded by Sinikiwe Dilaweo, who was featured on the podcast on episode 17. Naya is a well-being company that lies at the intersection of social justice and wellness. Naya redefines what it looks like and feels like to be well by centering bodies of culture, those that are Black, Indigenous, and people of color. We are so appreciative of the principles Naya is built upon. Empathy, understanding, wholeness, inclusivity, and community. And we strive to reflect those principles in our podcast as well. Thank you, Naya, for reclaiming what wellness means and for uplifting and amplifying bodies of culture. Follow Naya and founder Sinikiwe at naya.wellness on Instagram and sinikiwe.stephanie and support all of their initiatives. Thank you so much for your support of our podcast, Naya Wellness. We are so glad that you are featured today. Welcome to the Create Well podcast, where we explore the intersection of creativity, wellness, and entrepreneurship. I'm Erica Elon. I'm a painter. I have a puppy, a wild puppy, and (laughs) I try and be at the water all the time. Yes. And you can find my work on IG at at Erica Elon. (laughs) I'm Ray Saragosa, Bronx's mom, little doggy Bronx. He's asleep in his basket right next to Erica. Literally Um, in a basket. (laughs) Literally in a basket. Uh, Singer, songwriter, roller skater, touring musician yet again. And um, you can find my work on IG at at Ray Saragosa. Today, our guest is the incredible screenwriter, poet, director, Tazba. Yay! Yay! And we chat all about the layers that create your artistic journey. Here we go! Good morning, Ray. Good morning. You look so pretty today. Stop, because I put so on um, pretty. a little bit of eye makeup. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it happens. You look so pretty. <laughs> your pants are like rocking, mm, your tea, thank everything. You. Thank you. What? Oh <laughs> my on gosh. that yellow couch, you just like, <laughs> I just want you to be like the poster child of my apartment oh if my, my apartment gosh. had its own magazine. Um, oh. Yeah, I look like total hell right now because I went roller skating right before. You got here, and then I was like, what do I do? How do I make myself look presentable? So I just, like, took off my, like, roller skating pants and put on, like, a cheetah print mini skirt, as if no, that were like, to real help. cute. I don't think you look like hell. <laughs> it looks like you, like, accomplished stuff this I, morning. I, I tried. I did. I actually went roller skating, and the we have basketball courts here on the water, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, a roller skater's dream is when the courts are empty, Yes. And like I had a whole court to myself. Really? Yes, on a Friday? On a Friday. Wow. It like that is what freedom means like is to <laughs> me. Like if 
if I were to imagine like like what is what is freedom to you? It's like an empty basketball court with my roller skates on and That's like really the sun beautiful. is shining. I was just like I woke up basketball in a courts mood, are so never in my helped. definition of freedom, yeah. but I love that they worked their way into yours. And I saw your video yesterday, and I meant to comment on it because mm-hmm. you have improved really so much. Yay. I was like, you look like one of those girls no. that we see and no. are like, dang, they're like really like oh skating and like looking super comfortable, flowing. I can tell yeah. you're listening to good music, and you're yeah. just like going i mean Thank wow you. it's been what like a year and a half since yeah. you started yeah like the beginning of the pandemic it's amazing um very proud of yeah, you yeah thank very you impressed. thank you thank you um you know i started to like feel like impostery because i was doing all of these like like with be yellowtail i did that um ad can't yeah, yeah, yeah. with them yeah where i was skating and i was like if i'm gonna be like skating on people's instagrams i gotta get better and so that like really like lit a fire under me to like practice more it was really flowing it looked thank you so much i've actually been like really on my skate practice yeah because um drew he plays basketball Mm. so every day he goes to the basketball court and i skate Mm. and so it's like i don't leave until he leaves so it's like really been getting me up on my skills yeah so how about you how are how are your side hustles how how are your what's how is your roller skating equivalent oh well i rollerblade but it's just not nearly as like pretty and cool i just Mm. like roll as fast as i can yeah you go fast down the beach you're a speed demon um but yeah i'm trying to think what are i mean i still haven't started um what i said last week i was gonna start which was Mm. um uh stained glass yeah but i'm like researching and preparing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so gonna be doing that and then yeah i don't know nice. i've been paddling still a little nice um, i know it dropped like 15 degrees in one week so it did but it's kind of i don't know yeah i'm from chicago the cold okay. water is like yeah, invigorating yeah. oh my gosh i've lived in california for far too long now i'm like oh, crazy. <laughs> um did you do some writing this week for our um yes our book yes <laughs> me too oh my god yes i'm like so excited to read yours I know. Do you want to like give us a little sneak peek or like just even just like you don't have to like read it if you don't want to, but no, yeah, taste. I so it's fun because I'm I'm actually doing research right now for it because I'm good because I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I I just write from whatever things I make up in my brain. I I'm like I don't know. I'm not very good at researching. That's why you're here. Okay. Oh my gosh! But the topic that I that I took because we're both like writing a very small portion yeah. of the book that we kind of envision so that we can synthesize the like the yeah. format right. and the the tone of it together yeah. just right. to get us rolling. So we each took a different section that is the one we're basically most mm-hmm. excited about. And mine yeah. is embodiments. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yours is money. <laughs> Mine's money, of course. <laughs> Mine's embodiment. And so I've been trying to find yeah. research about I think I talked about this last week but mm-hmm. I've been trying to find research about our bodies and art making and just yeah. different studies that have been done on that especially yeah. in relation to like breath or posture yeah. so I that's sit, where I'm at right slouching. now yeah <laughs> as I'm slouching, as I'm slouching. <laughs> um amazing did you find any nuggets of anything that is I always go back to the book The Body Keeps the Score because it has okay. freaking everything that I want to read. But I have Love been it. starting to find um, – I found a couple about musicians mm-hmm. and breath, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense because yeah. a lot of instruments you actually mm-hmm. physically need breath to play. Totally, totally. Um, so, yeah, I will keep you updated. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? How was writing about money, right? Yeah, I just kind of like went on a rant. Yeah. 
and um, organized my rant. Um, but I, I started actually at the beginning. I started about our getting rid of the starving artist yes. romanticized archetype um, thing. Yes. And I, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna like. I'm like gonna kind of read this, but like kind of just mm-hmm. like kind of talk about it. But I have found that many times thriving, especially financially thriving in the art world can many times become synonymous with selling out, quote unquote. Yes. And it creates this narrative that if we stay true to our art, we must suffer. You know, like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it comes, I feel like I, sometimes we think about like, oh, like the purists, like the pure artists, like the artists that, um, they oh. gave it all up yes. for the love of their they work. They burned all, like, what was the, what's the thing? Like, they burned all the boats or whatever. Like, you know, like, yeah. It was, my friend was telling me this whole thing where it's like, yeah. you're on an island and you can't leave. So you burn oh. all the boats. That's like, that's like purist art is like, you burn all the boats so you can't even go home. And like, Interesting. it's not really the art life I want to lead. I definitely want to have a boat. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, want <laughs> I don't want to burn boat, the boat. Preferably. Um, but um anyway so i'm i started exploring how mm. um i think that striving to be um i think i i use the word like rich in this mm. sense that like like what do you think of like when you have like a really like great like spoonful of uh. chocolate whatever yes. what do you what word do you use this is really rich like yeah. rich is like not only about a dollar amount nope. you can have a really rich life um, that I think a, a money can help because mm-hmm. it gives you options mm-hmm. and it gives you resources um, to um, create comforts, um, to afford all kinds of things that can improve your mental and physical mm-hmm. health. Um, and also um, it can make it so that you can open up opportunities to other artists. Yes. And so I wrote this little blurb that I think really touches on why I'm so passionate about artists Um wanting to be rich Mm. um and i'll read it to you um think about an older or more experienced or wealthier maybe like artist mentor of yours or a teacher that maybe picked up the bill when you got dinner with them when things were tight uh bought you a bunch of sheet music donated a thousand dollars to your kickstarter or hosted you in their guest room for free while you were on tour how amazing did that feel you can be that person for another up and coming Mm -hmm. artist and it will feel really good. You know, Mm -hmm. I like those people are why Mm -hmm. I'm here. Right. And to be that person for someone else, I think is like, yeah, like that gets me amped, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. And you don't have to be like rolling in riches to host someone um, or to, uh, you know, buy someone pizza. Like the kind of things where like, you can get there. And I just like, it was really fun writing this. And Mm. um, I'm really passionate about um, reaching our own quote unquote version of financial stability as artists with a quote unquote unconventional lifestyle. Mm. So boom, I had a lot of fun. fun. I want to read that book. (laughs) I need to read that book. (laughs) I think we're going to write more of a textbook than than a self-help book. But um. But yeah, and yeah, and then I I, I made a list of like some tangible ways to give yourself quote unquote financial stability as an artist. I'm not going to go through them. You're going to have to buy the book. But um, it's uh, yeah, I just like I'm trying to really um, find ways for us to create our own version of stability, quote unquote stability um, when we're not in like, you know 
corporate jobs. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was fun. I love Yay. it. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, um, so you yeah. talked with Tazba this week. Yes. Tazba is... What a hero. She's a true hero. <laughs> she's a true trailblazer, mover, and shaker. Mm. Um, you know, Tazba, um, I met her, and her full name is Tazba Rose Chavez, um, I met her at a Native Americans in Philanthropy event where I was singing a song. She was um, performing a piece of poetry. Mm. And she has a very captivating and demanding presence. Mm. Every room she's in, I feel like she just really is a very striking. She's, I mean, she's beautiful, mm. um, but she also just carries so much knowledge and ground. And I just... She's the kind of person I'm in the room where I'm like, who's that? I really want to learn from her already, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and so, you know, Tazba Rose Chavez is a performance poet turned director and television writer. She's a citizen of the Bishop Paiute tribe. And um, she uh, works as a writer on Reservation Dogs mm-hmm. on Hulu, um, Rutherford Falls. Yes. Um, she's also has has worked on the show Resident Alien and um i and she's really she's released uh films of her own mm. and um she's also a director she directed her first yes. um television uh, episode for reservation dogs and um yeah she's she's incredibly talented um i'm really excited about this interview and um yeah she's an uh, a badass woman so yes let's jump in and we'll see jump what in. she has to say Woo-hoo. Hello, Tazba, and welcome to the Create Well podcast. Thank you so much for being a guest today. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm a huge fan of yours and have really been able to like witness your career as it's been growing. Um, I met you, I believe, at a Native Americans in Philanthropy event like maybe four years ago, five years ago, it was a while ago. And at that event, you actually were performing um, a piece of poetry, which is amazing. And now you've, you're this incredible screenwriter and you're working on many shows. And so without me getting too deep into it yet, I'd love for you to introduce yourself in your own words. Uh, of course. Yeah. I remember that time too. And you yeah. were performing and we were both performing. Um, yes. That was a good night. Um, my name is Tazba Rose Chavez. I am a citizen of the Bishop Paiute tribe and I come from the Paiute, Navajo and San Carlos Apache people. And I was raised in Bishop, California, which is about four hours Northeast of LA. Mm -hmm. And, um, I am a writer and a performance poet and a director. Amazing. Beautiful. And, um, so, you know, on the Create Well podcast, we're always talking about having like an interdisciplinary career and and having to hold so many different hats and try to like put your creative brain into a bunch of different things. And so for you as like a poet, director and writer, um, I would actually love to hear about where it all started and maybe if that was with poetry or wherever it started and like what was the creative seed that kind of blossomed into these different branches? Yeah, I feel like when I get asked this question, I sort of have like three to four touch points 
in my timeline mm-hmm. that I think influence where I am today. And the first one goes back as far as the second grade, mm-hmm. second and third grade, uh, which is when I first started to write poems. And I mean, I think even as like a first grader, I was sort of tapped as somebody who was good at storytelling. You know, at that mm-hmm. age where you're uh, you're barely spelling your words correctly, but you have to mm-hmm. make these little books and you illustrate them and you yeah. make them about like a robot or a puppy. And I love those. So, yeah. So at that age, I I already had a knack for storytelling. I took those assignments very seriously. Like I would laminate those short stories for homework assignments with like box tape and tie them together with yarn. Um, so I loved, I loved telling stories. Um, my mother also is a writer. And so I grew up Mm. in a household with a lot of books, um, a lot of writing. So from a young age, I had an example of a woman who could make a living as a writer. She's a journalist, so a very different mm, type of writing. But cool. um, one of my favorite things, sounds to fall asleep to is the sound of uh, keys, like mm. on a keyboard. Like typing. <laughs> I love um, that. So that was kind of like the first touch point. And around that time, well, this is rolled into the first touch point. Mm. Around that time, I was pulled from my regular literature class. I think that's what they call it at the time in the third grade and put once a week into an eighth grade poetry workshop at the middle school. Mm. And so I would I would leave my elementary school and walk over to the middle school once mm. a week. And so I was like this third grader learning to write poetry with uh, like 13 and 14 year olds. Wow. And so that was kind of like the first touch point. I would say the next touch point is um, around my uh, like freshman year in high school is when I started to do performance poetry for the first time. And that was influenced by um, a stepsister of mine who was a slam poet. Mm-hmm. And I had first seen her perform poetry when I was about 10. And I, I just didn't know that that world existed. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of opened that up to me. And then when I was in a place where I, I lived in Albuquerque for a year mm-hmm. and um, my older brother and my mom used to take me to open mics. And that was the first Mm. time that I started to perform poetry. And that was like the thing that I did. At that same time, my father uh, helped co-create a film and music academy for different reservations in Southern California, which was um, a film and music academy. And that was the first place where they basically would pop up for like two months. And it was like native writers, directors, producers, actors, musicians, and it was designed as a preventative program to keep us out of trouble. And that was where I was introduced to uh, film as a medium. And so that was the first time that I combined poetry, like spoken word, with film and made my first um, film at the age mm-hmm. of 15. Wow. Um, and so I think those things, when I think about my life, like how do I do what I do, mm-hmm. I think those things were they're very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I think with many things when it comes to art and creativity, it's not always seen as something that is a vi- viable uh, career choice in mm-hmm. terms of making an income or yeah. you know, sustaining your life. And so I went a different direction. Um, but that's like that's a short version of I just I think that the those things started mm-hmm. brewing very young, but it didn't 
it wasn't until like my 30s that I really cracked the code on how to make this the career mm-hmm. that I have now, writing and directing. Yeah. So, you know, when we're fed all of these, I mean, that your story is amazing. I think it's really incredible that both of your parents come from these different kind of aspects of what you've worked into your own creative identity now. Um, you know, your dad be having, you know, doing what he does with enter- the with the youth and entertainment and music. And then with your mother being a journalist, it's really amazing how you've like woven those into your career. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm curious, you know, you said like, I, I identify with that so much of having this idea that being a creative or, you know, it's not really like a career that you can choose or it feels like a very risky thing or it feels like something that's mm-hmm. a hobby but can never turn into a career. Mm-hmm. So what was if you can remember anything that gave you the courage to take that leap into making it a career or what gave you the confidence or was there a role model or was there what was the turning point for you that you were like wait, I can actually do this as a career? Yeah. Um I think that I I think there's like two parts to this. The first part um are the people that I have had around me in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I was in college, I interned for the Sundance uh, Institute's Native and Indigenous mm-hmm. program under Bird Running Water. But during that time, when I was there, uh, that's how I first developed friendships with people like Taika Waititi and Sterling mm-hmm. Harjo and um, met Sydney Freeland for the first time. And so many, so many people that I was meeting in my early 20s who were um, filmmakers and storytellers. And I still at that time though, didn't know that, that I could do that. I just was Mm -hmm. around them, but, but I think the impression they left was that it was possible. And these are people who often believed in me more than I did myself. You know, they, um, Mm -hmm. always recognized me and always acknowledged me as a poet, as a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a joke among us that I would tell myself was like, which is that I peaked in high school. Cause everyone's like, when are you going to do something? I was like, Oh, I peaked already. Like, (laughs) Um, but no, so, so I think part of it is like the people, like I just had a lot mm. of examples of indigenous storytellers mm. who, um, were creating careers and who yeah. were, um, mentors of mine and f- became family to me. And so I think that's always important is like to kind of have these examples. But the other, the other part of that is, you know, I worked a completely different career. I worked in beauty care for a long mm-hmm. time. I was like a beauty care educator. Mm-hmm for a wellness company. And um, during that time, I was still performing poetry. Like I was still creating um, videos and and media for other people. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of like what I did on the side. And that was the thing that kind of fueled me while my job, the way I kind of had it flipped. I was like, my job, like my corporate career is the thing that sustains me and feeds me, Mm -hmm. allows me to do the creative hobby that I have because I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out how to um, do that full time. So it's not like I wasn't creating, but I did have this moment when I, um, in my late twenties, I was, um, you know, I was like, okay, I need to go back to like grad school or something. So I have studied for the GMAT, not the GMAT. So I'm not that person. I've studied for the GRE. I studied for um, the LSAT. Mm-hmm. I studied um, wow. um, all of these like tests and I was like, okay, I'll um, get an MFA in poetry. I'll be a lawyer. I'll get an MBA. You know, it was just these things. And the, and and um, you sound I like Erica of- right now. Erica is like always like taking the LSAT. We're gonna do this. We're gonna go yeah. back to grad school for that. So we we love that here yeah. at Well. It's like Erica. <laughs> so 
the the point that like I was at in my life, I was studying for the LSAT. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm just going to, and here's, here's the logic I gave myself was I know I want to tell stories and really um, if I'm an attorney and I'm in a courtroom, I'm telling a story and mm-hmm. that's how I can change things for our people. Like I always wanted to do federal mm-hmm. Indian law and then I kind of mm-hmm. like went these different directions, but I was yeah. like, it's essentially storytelling at the end of the day. But then in the midst of, of studying for the LSAT, my job that I had, I was based in Seattle at the time, It uh, a posi- my same position opened in LA. And all of my friends were here, my family's super close to LA. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I, I called HR immediately when I found out about that. And I was like, can you, can I just transfer there? Mm-hmm. And, and they let me do it. But I told myself, like, when I go back to LA, I'm going to make, I'm going to figure out how to write and be an artist full time. Because mm-hmm. in the midst of studying for the ELSA, I had this, I can tell you the exact moment that mm-hmm. I, everything changed for me. Um, it was at my house in Seattle. I had just pulled in after a long day of work. Uh, it was nighttime. It was rainy. There was nothing around me except a porch light. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> so I poetic. Was, yes. I was staring out the window as like these rain droplets are falling in my window. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I am never – like when I'm old, you know, in my 80s, and I'm like mm-hmm. on my porch like thinking about my life. Like they're – like what will I regret? And the thing yeah. that I would regret is never having tried to be a writer full time. Like, I wasn't going to wow. regret being a lawyer. I wasn't going to, you know, not mm-hmm. being a lawyer. I wasn't going to regret not being a businesswoman. I wasn't going to regret not getting an MFA in poetry, whatever yeah. that is. Um, and, but I would regret if I never really tried to be a writer. So I told myself, yeah. I just had this moment. I was like, I'm going to try. And at least if I try and it doesn't work out, then I don't live with the regret of having never done it. Mm-hmm. That was like the moment that changed it for me. Wow. That's. That's amazing. I think like I remember my one friend who was kind of describing a similar moment to me and it was about like how you can like you're going to climb to the top of a hill and then you're going to look and see that you climbed the wrong hill. Right. And that's that's amazing. And so now, you know, you're you are we're back here to the present day and you have accomplished so much and you're working on these amazing shows. And so I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, reservation dogs in Rutherford Falls and what it's like to write for television um, and write for multiple shows at a time. <laughs> yeah. um, and also I, I do I want to know about what it was like directing your first episode of TV because I know that's that is incredible. That was my most favorite thing I've ever done in my whole life. <laughs> that's what I have to say. Oh my gosh when I saw your post I like cried. I was like that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, surreal yeah I mean what should I say about writing for both of those shows I just got done working on both of them the same day so Mm. I'm a yes um, (laughs) I might need some prompts (laughs) oh my gosh yeah well okay so prompt like with Rutherford Falls we'll start with Rutherford Falls um which I I loved I thought it was so funny and and Mm -hmm. everything and so when writing for a sitcom, Mm -hmm. how do you bring your poetry into the room? How does that, does it come into the room or like, I mean, I'm sure it does, but how does that, how does that play out with comedy? Yeah. You know, I think something that's interesting that I found in Rutherford Falls, which was um, sort of a revelation for me is that show writing for it. It's a very smart show. Mm -hmm. And the kinds of conversations 
and the in-depth conversations that we have in that room, and I'm speaking particularly to season one because we just yeah. got started on season two, yeah. but in season one, you know, the the conversations are very intelligent and very philosophical, and they're, they're very deep conversations, and they actually, they, I, I think that maybe, I don't know what people think of comedy rooms, but like, I don't know that I had a perception of them prior to going into it, but mm. um, it's it, the conversations are very serious. Mm. And then when we tease out like, okay, well, what's the funny way that we we communicate this really yeah. like complex idea? And so I think the way that uh, my poetry shows up, shows up in that space is I think poets um, by nature uh, are deep thinkers and it's, and we, mm. we are trying to communicate big feelings or um, big big ways of thinking into something that is digestible and something that, mm -hmm. that people want to, to hear, mm -hmm. um, and to lean into. And so I think that in that room, because the conversations behind the scenes are so, um, deep and full of heart and, and, and intention that I found, um, my contribution, um, being poetic in that way. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, like I, it was a way that I think already. And then yeah. I think like in script, there are things, um, that come out like, you know, how do we communicate these really big community aspects in ways that are funny and relatable? And, um, you know, one of the things in season one is, um, when Regan has to sort of be reintroduced to her community, um, you know, that, that's a, that's a, to me, that's a poetic concept, mm -hmm. but then we do it in yeah. a funny way where she has to like chop wood and she yes. has to like follow Terry around. Um, yes. and so I think in Rutherford Falls, that sort of the way that it came out, um, that was like my favorite moment as well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was yeah. hilarious how, anyway, no spoilers, everyone, you must watch Rutherford Falls. Yeah. Um, but how she was like brought around through the community with Terry, like under his terms of like, well, you gotta do this. You gotta chop wood. You gotta do that. It was yeah. very funny. And I think that's, that, that makes sense. It's like, in order for it to be funny, it has to have like a, like almost like a serious poetic face. Oh, <laughs> and then yeah. like the, the comedy gets teased out of that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, there's like more like, um, I think obvious moments where, you know, in, uh, the episode that I wrote, um, she asks Nathan why his history is more important than hers. Mm. Um, so there's there was moment there's moments in it Big. to 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 do that. Um, mm. I, and then Reservation Dogs, of course, is like there's a there's like a a way different lane of how how poetry is used in that show. Mm. But um, yeah, yes, okay. So now to Reservation Dogs, um, which you know this this show is like it's a very historical moment this show it is incredible it is beautiful and it is so poetic mm -hmm. which is what um i think i've connected to most about the show is how it's the whole as every episode just feels like poetry and um there's parts where i don't know if i should laugh or cry it's like that it's it, it really it, it provokes such emotion in you it's like so many emotions <laughs> at once um so anyway I just want to hear what it was like for you to direct your first TV episode and um, maybe what, if you can give us a little, any little tangible fun moments of directing your first episode, we'd love, we'd love to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, directing my first episode was amazing. I, it's seriously my most favorite thing I've ever done in my whole life. Um, I, I, it, it's, there's so many people involved 
in making TV and on set to make an episode. So I always feel kind of funny when I say it's like my episode because truly Mm -hmm. like it belongs to uh, Mm -hmm. every single crew member that made that thing happen. Um, And I think that's one of the, the, the amazing parts is you just see like this, all of these people who are dedicating their time and their energy and their creativity. And I think for me, like my favorite part of directing was really bringing together like people in all departments are creative and seeing the things that they come up with for, you know, props, seeing things they come up with for like set design and seeing, you know, working with like a DP and ideas they have and just seeing all of these people's ideas and just being, um, being a facilitator, bringing Mm -hmm. all of those things together, I think is to me really Mm -hmm. exciting. And then of course, the actors, you know, these are the people bringing a script to life and to bringing uh, this world to life that many people have created through their own departments, their own skill sets. But um, one of my favorite things is, uh, is working with actors and just watching each take just the, the type, the type of chemistry that comes off in those monitors and the way they bounce off of each other. And you, and I just, just like really like seeing them embody art in their beings, you know, and create, like create witnessing things. magic. It's like yeah, this it's chemical it's, reaction between humans on screen. It's yeah, it's, it's really beautiful. Awesome. And I, I think, um, would you ask me like a moment or something? Yeah, like if you have like a little, a little tangible snapshot moment that like re- replays in your head from that day, or I mean, not day. Obviously, it was multiple days, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I know that there's a moment where. Uh, it's between Bill Burr and Devery Jacobs when they're mm-hmm. sitting on the car at the basketball court and he's telling yeah. her the story of what happened to her mother. Um, that f- was so magical. That oh, that a whole interaction between them that there's a there's a there's a there was a take that happened where all of us just that were behind the monitors just like took our headphones down and just looked at each other because we couldn't believe what was happening before us because they were so good and they like really were just their chemistry was so good the emotion was so raw and I think to see um you know Bill Burr get to this place that's like very very vulnerable and for Devery to to match that and communicate all this stuff we were just like we were all of us on set were like holy shit (laughs) like what just happened yeah it was like so magical that's the only way that I can explain it and I mean there's so many funny things I was there for two months like you know on that set and I'm sure I'll get off of this and like oh yeah this like really funny crazy thing happened but Uh, that's one of them that stands out that's so great I love asking that because I feel like it's those little moments and those like little snapshots that like stick with us and it's like sometimes the most unexpected places and mm-hmm. oh it's so beautiful. Um okay, so we'll have a little bit of time left. I just want to do a couple lightning round questions and also plug everyone, please watch Reservation Dogs if you haven't already. It's on Hulu. And um okay, so a couple lightning round questions. Um I feel like I'm always bad at these, so I'm excited. <laughs> I'm really bad. I literally like I I I had an interview like two days ago and I texted her and I was like, I think I failed the lightning round. Like, I think I got an F. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What are two of your wildest dreams? Um, (laughs) 
um, for one can be personal and one can be like in the world or at large. Well, oh, my wildest dream is we get the land back. Yes. Um, Love it. Personally, is this messed up? But I kind of think there's nothing I can't achieve if I really want it. Rock so on. Rock like- on. So like everything. <laughs> anything. <I want> everything. <laughs> Yeah. You're so powerful. I love it. I love it. Okay, that was great. A plus. Um, okay, name two creative hobbies that have nothing to do with your quote unquote work. I love cooking. Love it. And um, I love painting. Yay! Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Erica is obviously an amazing painter, and I can't even like draw like estic figure so i never I, said i was good at it. I, just, I, really <laughs> it I love it i love it um okay um what is one of your favorite parts of living in los angeles and then your least favorite part um my favorite part of living in la is the food definitely i love the food you can really honestly have everything my least favorite part is the concrete yeah totally and the noise. It's never quiet here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If Okay. Here's two more. Uh, if you could say three words to describe Taika Waititi and working with him, what would they be? <laughs> the first one is ha 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> the word is, um, I, um, wait, they're just words? Just words. Yeah. I mean. Okay. Ha 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 ha. And then love mm-hmm. and bitch. <laughs> A plus plus lightning round. Okay, I love it. Um, okay, last one before our last question. Um, what are you watching and or listening to right now? Um, I am. Oh my god. Honestly, I've been listening to a lot of Rockham Radio. Cool. Because uh, I just I write well to Rockham Radio. Uh, I love radio. That's and awesome. then I also listen to the um like just various podcasts nothing in particular right now um and then what am i watching yeah well i've been watching things assigned by sterling my showrunner uh so i watch slacker i watch uh husbands cool. <laughs> i'm writing these down now i know what like what sterling's watching this is what i need to watch just, i think when you're in like writer's rooms like part of it is like watching things as like research yeah so you're like on the clock whenever you're like yeah. turning um, on the television <laughs> yeah totally but i like freeze when i'm asked oh you know what i watched recently that i really liked as i watch mm. hacks and i really liked hacks cool i'll have to watch okay awesome yes. Well, this was like so special. Tazba, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and telling us all about your creative journey, which is really inspiring um, to see, you know, the all the paths that your career has taken and the seeds that it was plant that that were planted to turn it into what it is today. So thank you so much. Thank and you me. Yes. Oh my gosh. And um we always ask the same question at the end of every interview, which is, Tazba, in one sentence, what does it mean to you to create well? Is this one of those things where you can't explain the question? I just have to interpret it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, like create well, like wellness, like, you know, uh, so like 
for yeah. you, like what does it mean to create in a well way? <laughs> if that makes any grammatical sense. Yes. Um, in one sentence, I'm a long-winded person. Um, lots of commas and semicolons. Okay, I'm just gonna give. I'm just gonna be poetic about it and just give words. Love it. Water. <laughs> Drink a lot of water. Love it. Sleep. Yes. Therapy. <laughs> and the truth love it that's beautiful we'll have to have another interview all on therapy next season everyone i'm obsessed with therapy (laughs) i'm totally that friend that's like oh my god my therapist said (laughs) me too to my partner all the time like i'm like well my therapist said um uh can we have a zoom call me you your therapist and my therapist like let's go yes (laughs) i love it well thank you so much and um i'm so excited to for season two of everything. <laughs> and I'm so excited to hear about and see all the amazing things that you do. And I'm your biggest fan. And so mm-hmm. thank you so much. And we'll see you later. Thank you so much. I'm excited to see the things you're up to, too. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye. And now for the Create Well Challenge of the Week. This week's Create Well Challenge is to think about your own story and pillars um, that have created the foundation for your art. So give yourself some time to identify one or two of the most significant moments that shaped the foundation of your work today as a way of acknowledging where your roots are. And this week's featured song is Before the Fire is Gone by Dan Salpa.
Hungry for your 